Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. Good morning, everyone. This is Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is my weekly market and economic commentary for the week beginning Monday, August 8th, 2022. As a reminder, you can follow me intro week on LinkedIn, just uh, at Herb Morgan. Uh, This is available either by subscription. If you're getting this via email and you're seeing these slides, you are subscribed. There's no cost for that. If um, you are listening, you can also listen rather on a podcast any of the podcast formats from Apple to Spotify to Player to Deezer all can play this podcast for you. And it comes out Monday, usually mid to late morning, California, West Coast time. This presentation is prepared by us for use with you, whether you are a financial advisor or an investor. Either way, you're expected to make your own investment decisions. Nothing contained in the presentation is investment advice, nor should it be treated as such. No recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything is purely for informational informational purposes. Its accuracy cannot even be guaranteed. With that, let's get into it. The S&P 500 managed to eke out a small gain last week, while mid, small cap, and developed international stocks all declined very marginally. Emerging markets were the big winner, up almost 1%. Interest rates rose, the Barclay Aggregate Bond Index declined 1%, as did the longer dated, higher duration, higher average maturity, 20 plus US Treasury Index. Interestingly, high yield caught a bid. Uh, and you know, high yield would usually go down in sympathy with say mid cap stocks, that didn't happen. Uh, a lot of that has to do with a much better than expected jobs report on Friday, which made pretty much the last believers that we were in recession believe that we're not in recession. You simply don't have a recession when you're adding that number of jobs, which we'll get to uh, on a monthly basis. We're just not in a recession. Doesn't mean we won't get to one. We always will. It's on the horizon. It always is. We're just not in one now. And the jobs market definitively, the jobs report definitively stated that on Friday. Of course, we are softening. Demand is softening. That's somewhat disinflationary, which is a good thing from the Fed's perspective, all of our perspective. But don't, but just keep in mind, great jobs report doesn't really erase the fact that all equity markets and bond markets are in the red for the year. Let's get into last week's economic data. It was largely better than expected and largely pretty darn good. So You know, anecdotally, we talk about a recession being two consecutive negative quarters of GDP, but those negative quarters can be impacted by things like temporary balance of trade imbalances because of higher energy prices, uh, inventory builds or declines, uh, big spikes in government spending uh, in a Keynesian stimulus type environment. None of those things signal underlying health of the the economy or, or lack of health. 
Let's get into U.S. manufacturing, the S&P Global, formerly known as Marquette. This is manufacturing is about 15% of the global economy, or the U.S. economy. Uh, fell from 52.7 to 52.2, right in line with the 52.3 expectations. Anything above 50 means manufacturing grew. So the U.S. economy, manufacturing grew in the month of July. The ISM manufacturing reading says the same thing. The economy grew. Grew at 52.8, which is a little above expectations, a little below the prior month. New orders fell. They're still in contraction. But remember, new orders were through the roof because we were coming out of that period of economic shutdown. So contracting from there is fine. The actual health of new orders and manufacturing in the country is quite good. Delivery times are improving. Order backlogs are improving. Inventories are at the highest level since 1984. Remember, one of the problems, we couldn't get things out. We couldn't get products made because we didn't have anything in inventory. Well, inventories are back. Employment, still in slight contraction there, 49.9. That's as good as even, let's call it. Uh, they say employment rose in the manufacturing sector. One of my graphs I've showed you every couple of months here since the economic shutdown of 2020 related to COVID is this one. The white line represents the backlog of orders. And if you go back here to coming out of the shutdown, the backlog of orders was at an all-time high, never before seen. You couldn't get sofas, bicycles, mattresses, golf balls. Everything was on back order because all, everything had been shut down and people were ordered to stay at home. That number's come all the way down to 50. Meanwhile, inventories the inventories were an all-time low because we depleted all the inventories. Now those inventories slowly getting built back up. But notice the gap between backlog and inventories. It still exists. And it exists and it suggests that you're going to have continue to fill that gap and get that back into equilibrium, which suggests even if we do get a recession in 2023, it's unlikely to be very deep because it fundamental underlying demand is still very good. This recession back in 2020, I've said this over and over, this is so important. This was not a demand-based recession. It was supply-based. We had very significant tax reform, capital, uh, corporate profit tax reform, lower rates on capital gains. All of this took place back here. The economy has been very strong. That corporate tax reform has not been reversed. There's been change in administration, change in power in the House, Senate, but it has not been reversed. The economy continues and demand continues to be very, very strong. That being said, it was so strong because we overstimulated coming out of the recession. We far overstimulated. My famous CNBC quote, how can it not V? It V'd, it was a big, big, big V, and that V shot us up in, into, uh, up into the right. We're now sort of leveling that out, but it created this level of inflation that is unpalatable, right? So that's what we're doing now. The Fed fighting inflation, trying to get it those numbers down without causing recession. The jobs report on Friday makes it clear they have not yet caused recession and gives them the freedom and the leeway to continue to raise short-term interest rates, which they will do at their September meeting. Okay, so the formerly Marquette, let's get into services now. We did manufacturing, S&P Global, formerly Marquette. The PMI for services fell 
into contraction at 47.3. I was very suspicious of this number, didn't think it seemed right given what we thought we knew about hiring. And in fact, the ISM number came out just the opposite. Every once in a while, these numbers diverge. They usually catch up and over the long term tend to trend in the same direction. The ISM services number rose to 56.7, which was far in excess, it exceeded expectations, sig signals a growing at a faster pay service side of the economy after declining for a period of time you can see on the right. New orders here getting close to 60, business activity getting close to 60, and employment getting close to that 50 number. So services sector and the manufacturing sector in July were both great, really, really strong. Construction spending fell 1.1%, but it's up 8.3% a year-over-year basis. Obviously, there's some issues there with higher interest rates, uh, at least impacting, well, residential and commercial construction spending. There's no question about it. This was a sector of the economy, very overheated, experiencing tremendous inflationary pressure. So that decline is probably seen overall as a good thing. We got the JOLTS report or the job openings report for the month of June. We fell from a ridiculously high 11.3 down to 10.7. Still a very, very high number of job openings. You know, you go back here, here's 20 years worth of job openings that were very near that all time high. We're well above 10 million, obviously at 10.7. Total unemployed workers in the US, that's U6, that's unemployed or working part-time for economic reasons who prefer to be employed. That number is a pretty small number at 5.7 million. The problem is because there's companies still looking for workers, 10.7, that's about 1.8 jobs for every unemployed person in the US economy. You simply don't get a recession when you have demand. The recession, we colloquially, we say things like two quarters, two negative quarters of GDP, but it's really a, an absence or a significant reduction in aggregate demand. That reduction in aggregate demand is usually caused uh, and, and then results in negative feedback loop because uh, people are out of work, loss of jobs, you have people looking for jobs, jobs not available, 100% not the case today. Motor vehicle sales in the month of July rose to a pace of 13.35 million, right in line with expectations. Uh, still not back to the sort of pre-pandemic issues, the 16, 16 and a half million level, which would be uh, where probably the demand still is. It's helping margins of dealers. Dealers are doing very well. It's helping manufacturers. However, the problem here is still supply of computer chips, computer chips. Factory orders rose 2% in the month of June after a 1.8% increase in May. Very solid string of gains, very long string of gains in factory orders uh, there. Moving on to weekly claims for unemployment still below 300,000. And this always comes out on Thursday with the big drops report, which we'll get to. Gaming comes out on Friday. We got to 260,000. That's healthy. That's solid. It's less inflationary than when we were below 200,000 but it still signals growth in the overall employment, not recessionary, not recessionary. Trade deficit, which is a subtraction from GDP, kind of shrank considerably. We had this big increase here, this period, you can see it on the lower right of the deficit, subtraction from GDP, largely due to petroleum uh, imports, just the price of oil going through the roof. 
as that has begun to recede and come down, the trade deficit fell from 85 billion in, in uh, May to set or 80 billion, let's call it in, in June. Exports increased record all-time high, 261 billion in exports. And thankfully, imports fell a little bit. Still, the US runs that deficit. US can run that deficit because of its position as the world's reserve currency. Those dollars that uh, are sent overseas to buy things that create the deficit are recycled back into our perpetual budget deficit where they can park those dollars in US government, the dollar denominated securities. Okay, the big one, the jobs report, gains across the board, all sectors, massive gain in um, leisure and hospitality. This was a 500,000 plus monthly jobs gain. This exceeded all expectations. This is the best you can see, one, two, three, four, five, in six months, very strong. Unemployment rate matches the 50-year, five-decade low. It's actually more than 50 years because it goes back to 1960s. Um, participation rate fell to 62.1. That's a bit of statistical noise. It's close to being unchanged. But this really surprised the market. You saw the big rally. But at the same time, it's going to tell us the Fed you're clear, just raise again. So there's no Fed meeting in August, we know that. They have the Jackson Hole Symposium, they'll, they'll sort of telegraph a lot to us, uh, that plus all their other commentary. And then September looks free, 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 could be 50, but probably 75 with this jobs report. What might impact that decision is the inflation, the CPI report that we're going to get this week. Within that jobs report, we saw average hourly earnings up another half a percent, 5.2% on a year-over-year -year basis. This obviously can have a negative impact on corporate profits, but I say, wait, profits are good, pricing is good, business is good, orders are good. Isn't this what capitalism was supposed to be about? Lifting up the hourly wages, lifting up people, the alleviation of poverty, nothing's ever been better than capitalism at doing that. And average hourly earnings are continuing to grow. Inflation is eating away at some of that, but the overall standard of living, the access to food, the access to healthcare, the access to education, the access to leisure continues to rise in America. Consumer credit rose 40 billion in June, following about a 24 billion gain in May, red represents the revolving, uh, which is, you know, you're sort of spending on your credit card. Blue represents uh, total. The delta between the revolving and the blue is things people willing to take longer term sort of payments. You'll buy something on, on credit, a car, a washing machine, refrigerator, et cetera. Non-revolving grew 25 billion. That is a sign of confidence by the consumer in the economy. And remember, the U.S. economy is still still largely more than anything else driven by that sovereign king the consumer 430 of 498 companies have reported so i guess we're just about done reporting s p 500 earnings for the quarter the big fear and i told you going in the big fear and many many strategists believed we would see uh disappointing earnings or okay earnings but big downward guidance we just didn't get it and earnings remain, earnings estimates. This is the forward earnings estimates, $227 a share. It's only down about two or $3 uh, 
from the all-time high before this earnings season. So a few companies missed, a few companies guided lower, but overall, a far better earnings season than anybody anticipated, and that's why we're seeing this rebound in the markets. That being said, some of those analysts have thrown in the towel and said, okay, we've gotten through it. Others, smart folks, really well thought out, are saying, well, wait another quarter. We're still going to get it. We still think the Fed's going to raise rates so much that it's going to really create a recession. They might be right, but for now, for now, the earnings estimates remain, remain high and quite strong. This week's economic data includes nothing today. Tomorrow, small business optimism, non-farm productivity, unit labor costs. That's a little bit troubling for corporate profits. Wednesday is, where, is what the world is focused on. What happens with the CPI? Month over month expected to be two-tenths, way down from 1.3 in the prior month. That'll bring the year over year from 9.1 to 8.7. The core, backing up food and energy, expected to go from 0.7 to 0.5 but that year over year expected to be at 6.1. That I think is important, more importantly, probably the monthly. Um, then we're gonna get wholesale inventories, weekly claims for unemployment, July PPI equally as important as the CPI on Wednesday, import and export prices and consumer sentiment. Thank you everybody for tuning in. We'll be back to you again in one week. Thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.